Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 141. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm very excited to bring you an interview about a topic that I am personally very interested in and something that I've been using more and more in my practice. And you've probably noticed um, a lot of conversations about this subject on Therapy Chat recently. So uh, let's welcome my guest today, Natita Gassell. Natita, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat today. Yes, thank you for having me, Laura. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so it's great to be here. Yay. Well, I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm really eager to bring this conversation to our audience. So before we really dig in, let's just start off with you telling our audience a bit about yourself and your work. Sure. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm also a registered yoga teacher. And I'm a trauma-informed yoga therapist. And so I reside in Austin, Texas. I've been here for two and a half years. Prior to that, I was in New York City and practicing there, living there for nine years. And so I have a private practice here in Austin called Mind Body Psychotherapy. I specialize in working with adult women trauma survivors. Usually there is some sexual trauma in their history and complex trauma and things that have started early on in their um, lifetime, like developmentally. And I use an approach that is body inclusive and integrative. So I interweave the teachings of yoga into traditional talk therapy practice. Another piece of my work is that I am a trauma conscious yoga teacher trainer. So I also own and operate the Trauma Conscious Yoga Institute where I offer higher education trainings to mental health professionals, yoga teachers, and other helping professionals around how to replenish, how to integrate trauma-conscious yoga into talk therapy practice. Awesome. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of those things today because, as I mentioned to you, I just recently started the level one training in um, life force yoga yeah. And yeah. I love it. And, you know, it's still kind of like 
I'm using it in my practice, but it's like mm-hmm. sort of this question mark, like, how do I really integrate this into my practice? Yeah. And how do I let clients know that I'm doing it and what it is mm-hmm. and, you know, let people find it when right. I'm not sure how to describe it, even though, you know, I can say life force yoga and I can say yoga therapy, mm-hmm. but um, so I'm, I'm really eager to hear what you have to say. Definitely. Yeah, that comes up a lot. I know we'll get into it in a little bit, but that's a common conundrum or concern for therapists who are fully registered yoga teachers, even like, how do I put these two together? I know they're both healing, but how do we interweave them? So yeah, I'll be happy to share some, shed some light onto that. Thank you. Yeah. So let's see where to begin. So how did you get started using trauma-focused yoga in your practice? Sure. So I'll give you a little bit of my history briefly to help make it a little more clear and interesting. Um, So I was a professional ballet dancer. I danced my whole life growing up. And so I was somebody who was really into expressing myself through the use of my body. And through my professional dance career, which ended by the time I was 21, I actually experienced some trauma myself. And at the time, I actually didn't really know it was trauma, but I knew something bad was happening. And I, my way of coping with that was actually to restrict what I was eating, which is, you know, pretty common in the dance world. And it got to the point where I was pretty anxious and and sick and I you know I've been dancing my whole life but I realized I couldn't go on the way I was going on I wanted to heal and I knew that I had to just leave the dance world in order to heal fully so I had been working on a bachelor's in psychology the same time I was dancing professionally so I just went on to finish that after I left the dance world but I was extremely anxious and for a dancer very disembodied And I was really interested in meditation and breathing practices. And I knew that was part of yoga. I didn't really care about the physical practice of yoga because I'd been dancing, but I was interested in yoga for the meditation and the breathing part. And so I found a class um, at the university that I was attending, Old Dominion University. That's where I went. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh, we'll have to talk about that later. We're going to have to talk about that. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad I mentioned the name. Yeah, me too. I was like, should I mention the name of the school I went to? Well, good. We'll talk about yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Keep going. So Sorry. Yeah. My, yeah. my first yoga class was there. Um, and it was just everything for me. It was everything that I needed. And because I was somebody who was so used to expressing myself through use of the body, I found it more therapeutic than talk therapy for me in my own healing. And somehow, this was not the plan, I ended up in a yoga teacher training shortly thereafter. And I was getting a master's in um, psychology at that time and just putting the connection together. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to become a therapist. I'm also a yoga teacher. But I'm not going to be the type of therapist that just sits and talks to people because this yoga stuff is too good. Like I'm Mm going to integrate these two together. This is going to be my thing. And this was, you know, 13 years ago. And I went on to do just that, which has been really, really incredible. Um, Later on into the game, I really got into trauma and luckily there's been so much um, acceptance and research around 
yoga being this really amazing and evidence-based even modality to treat trauma. So the trauma piece came a little bit later, but I kind of always knew this is what I was going to do because yoga was so incredibly healing for me. Oh man, what a great story. That's, that's so interesting. And I think however we find yoga and I, maybe there's more awareness of it now, or maybe it's one of those things where, because I'm more aware of it, I see it more and I think everyone's more aware of it. But, um, I know when I found yoga, I, I really felt, I did not think that I was doing it for peace of mind or for my emotional state at all. I felt like I was doing it only for a workout and, you know, I had done power yoga and stuff, but the first time I did a Kundalini yoga class, I was like, wow, this is like, I remember telling my friend, this is like a massage for your body and mind. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like you feel so good afterwards. And, you know, I know that many people really kind of will say, well, yoga is my therapy, but they're not doing yoga therapy. They're going to yoga class and, you know, they're, they're dedicated yogis, which is wonderful. I mean, I admire that very much. And yet it is different from therapy. It you is. know? Yeah, it's it's different and it's like the perfect complement. Yes. Um I just I just found in my own personal life and now professionally, like they just go hand in hand yes. so well. But you know, what you're speaking to around really focusing on the more physical practice of yoga first is very common in our society. And maybe this is also where I can talk about the use of the term yoga and what that yeah. involves. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so when I'm talking about yoga, I'm talking about the full spectrum of teachings that encompass yoga and yogic philosophy. So use of the word yoga in the United States has become to kind of be synonymous with the physical practice of yoga. Most people think that it's yoga because you have a yoga mat and you're doing physical yoga poses, which we call asana. But the asana is actually only one of the eight limbs of yoga. There are eight limbs. So you can actually be a yogi and practice yoga without doing the physical practice of yoga at all, without doing the asana, which is actually very common in India where yoga comes from. So when I'm talking about yoga today, I'm referring to not just the asana and the physical practice, but also the breathing, the meditation, the mindfulness, and the very rich philosophical backdrop that actually creates the yogic practice as a whole. But in the West, we've been really drawn to the physical piece because we're very much go, 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 go. And a lot of us have to really exhaust our bodies physically before we can find any peace of mind and quiet all that mind chatter. So that's very common for people to start a yoga practice really being focused on that physical aspect to later on find that there's a lot more um, to the practice as a whole. Yeah. And I think, you know, while it does feel good to do it physically, you know, for me, the meditative part has always been, that's what I got the most hooked on. But, you know, now using life force yoga, it's, it's not doing yoga postures in the Mm -hmm. therapy session. Right. Yeah. So how do you use yoga in your talk therapy practice and what what do you do 
Sure. Um, <laughs> well, maybe could I talk first? What if I talk first about why? Yeah, sure. Use it? Okay. Like why use yoga? Cause that'll kind of give you an idea. And then like, how do we do it? Okay. Um, so again, good. this is awesome. Good. This is taking into consideration that it's more than just the physical poses, right? It's, it's the whole eight limbs. And also taking into consideration that I primarily work with trauma survivors. So really most of our world, you know, is a trauma survivor and most people are a trauma survivor in some aspect of the, of the word. So but it's not always intentionally addressed in the therapy because the therapist and client don't always recognize that there's trauma. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, as a trauma focused therapist, I see everything through a trauma lens. And so typically I'll find, you know, even if somebody's coming in with somebody like or something like a, a concern about work, um, there's usually some trauma somewhere back there mm-hmm. that they just didn't recognize was trauma. Because a lot of the times something is, you know, not simple, but something like having a tube to you registers in the nervous system as trauma, right? And that has impacted one's self-esteem and ability to cope well in life. So, so yeah. So first, I'll talk about why even use yoga integrated into talk therapy. And so one reason is that I really believe the goal of yoga and the goal of psychotherapy is one and the same. So in the philosophy of yoga, it's thought that we are all innately divine beings. We are a manifestation of the larger divine, whatever that divine is for you. And we're born into this world innately divine, but because there is a lot of suffering and pain in the world, there's other people in the world, primarily adults, who project their own faulty beliefs onto us. And we become burdened with these faulty beliefs about ourselves, the cloud, our connection to who we really are. So the practice of yoga is about rediscovering the truth and peeling back all the layers and connecting to who we really are. We are innately divine and we're all one. And the the goal of therapy in my mind is the same. It's the practice of self-discovery, self-exploration. It's about reconnecting to the truth about yourself. So really, this is one reason why I feel like they complement each other so well is that the, the end goal is the same. It's just a different maybe vehicle or method that you're taking to get there. Another piece is in working with trauma survivors, or if you're listening and you're a trauma survivor yourself, you know, yoga inherently brings a somatic focus. So just interweaved into the practice is the somatic focus, which actually does come through the asana or the physical practice. Let them know what you mean by somatic focus, just in case. Sure, yeah, definitely. So by somatic, I just mean a connection to the body or including the body. Anything that's somatic is what's showing up in your body, right? So a a tension in the shoulder, that would be something that's a somatic presentation. Or a a clenching in the abdomen would be a somatic presentation. So yeah, thank you for, yeah, definitely. That's really important, right? And so a lot of the times for trauma survivors, we, uh, you know, we'll feel a disconnection from our body, either because of the nature of the trauma we experienced, or in the aftermath of trauma, we have just kind of developed a negative relationship toward our body, feeling that our body failed us, our body didn't protect us. So there can be this big disembodiment 
or disconnect between body and mind. And for someone to really be whole and experience optimal healing, there needs to be that connection between body, mind, and spirit. And so yoga is a practice that really allows for that. It's about going inward and really with an attitude of compassion, curiosity, respect, patience, exploring sensation that's showing up in the body, and then allowing oneself to be with that sensation, learning that we can tolerate sensation, and then allowing ourselves to be curious about what does this sensation mean? What is it saying? What is the sensation saying? What is it saying that I need right now? And then honoring that, honoring what your body is telling you it needs. So showing your body that respect. All of that allows for a reconnection to one's body. And that is profoundly healing to have that connection. I'll give you maybe one or two more reasons because there's a, there's a number of them. But another reason why yoga can be such a beneficial tool within the therapy practice is because of the breathing. So pranayama is the fourth limb of the eight limbs of yoga, and it's the breathing exercises that we do. And so anyone who has used breathing and it's worked effectively for you may have noticed that you are calmer, your, your mind might feel more relaxed, or you might have less mind chatter, your body may feel less tense after doing some deep breathing, because through the deep breathing, you are regulating your nervous system. So the breathing is a big piece that I like to bring into talk therapy. But just one note about the breathing, it's not to say that breathing can't be triggering for some trauma survivors. I just um, did a talk about this, how the breathing can be triggering for some trauma survivors. So it really just depends on where you're at in your own personal journey. Can you um, say a little more about that? Sure. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm thinking at some point we'll give a trigger warning, maybe at the beginning of this. But okay. I'm gonna give, yeah, I'm going to give a trigger warning now, though, um, just in case, because in talking about why the breathing might be triggering, I like to illustrate with examples. And so this could be triggering, you know, to you if this resonates maybe on a deeper level and there's some unresolved trauma there. So I just invite you to proceed with caution mindfully and definitely reach out to a mental health professional to support you through this if you are triggered. But so the reason why a trauma survivor might be triggered by breathing, one is if the nature of your trauma involved that you were unable to breathe, right? Mm, A lot of the times what makes something traumatic is that it involves you for, you know, feeling like your life was endangered and maybe you weren't able to breathe. So then Even the word pranayama, which means control of the life force, right? Because the breath is the life force. You're asking somebody to control their life force. But if you felt like your life was in danger and you couldn't breathe, controlling the life force, we can see why that'd be triggering, right? It just could could bring up the trauma again. Um, So for some clients, and there is hope for people who are triggered by breathing in this way because I've worked with people. But that's just one example. Um, you know, and just if, if you witnessed someone whose life was in danger or your own life was in danger, again, even if it wasn't connected to not being able to breathe, just controlling the life force or the breath could be triggering. Um, and lastly, you know, if you're somebody who's stuck in an activated or fight or flight state, as opposed to a shutdown state, right, but you're always in fight or flight, then 
you need to do some other things with you first to, to support you getting to a less heightened state. Because to ask somebody who's at a 10 to use deep breathing to bring themselves down, it just doesn't work in the beginning, right? You kind of have to, this is like a, a muscle you have to build, the, the ability to use breathing to de-escalate. So it's something that just may not be effective in the beginning with every trauma survivor, but in time, I do believe eventually everybody can use breathing to support their nervous system regulation. But, you know, it just depends on where you are in your own personal journey. Yeah, well, thank you. And um, I'll add to that, that I've noticed that for many people who are highly dissociative, if they use breathing to try to regulate themselves and get more grounded, they may, as they return to connection with their bodies, they may panic or have other overwhelming trauma symptoms Mm -hmm. just really become flooding because the body is, is feeling that and the dissociation is keeping distance from that. So that's another way that, you know, I, I often see therapists saying, oh, someone's triggered or they need grounding, do deep breathing. And it's like, that's a, that's a one possibility, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's not the best one. And, you know, we all as therapists have to know and try to do the best we can to um, not do further harm. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and have more, more options in our toolbox than just, (laughs) just the breathing, because you need to know what to do if that doesn't help or if it makes things worse. Exactly. That's so important. And there really is no one size fits all. You know, for some people, the breathing might be triggering, but for some of those people, then the asana or the physical practice may be more grounding and more effective in bringing them back, right? Like going into a tabletop pose and feeling your hands against the mat and really rooting down through the palms and things like that. And then there are also people who, you know, I don't want to sidetrack too much, but I worked with a client who had depersonalization, which means she would look at her hand and it it would feel like it wasn't her hand. Mm -hmm. She felt like it wasn't her own hand, even though she knew cognitively it was, but you know, it, it, Freaked her out, as we can understand. And she would experience depersonalization if she held any particular yoga pose for too long. So for her, a more active yoga practice was better, you know. So there is no one-size-fits-all. Perfect example. Thank you. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. but, But typically, I do find that for a lot of people, breathing is helpful. And the yoga practice has breathing as part of its foundation. That's another reason. Um, you know, so anyways, those are just some of the reasons why we might use yoga in talk therapy with trauma survivors and why I use it and find it to be beneficial. There are more, but I don't want to keep you all here for forever. So <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy Notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used Therapy Notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my 
issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. But I can talk about how I do it if you'd like. Yes, I'd love to. Yeah. And this is something that comes up in the training that I offer to therapists a lot too. And some of them are not registered yoga teachers and some of them are, but even the ones who are yoga teachers, they have the yoga training, but it's like, well, now how do I put these two together? And so really there are so many opportunities within a 50 minute hour of talk therapy to, to use yoga. I'm just going to use one example. Let's say you have a client and if you're not a therapist, you can just think, be thinking about if you were the client, right? Um, and you have a client who changes feeling states. So the client was happy, and now all of a sudden they're looking sad, and they're starting to tear up. Well, when you change feeling states, something's happening in your body. So traditional talk, talk therapy maybe would be to talk about it, but for me as a somatic-focused therapist, I want to engage people to, to get to know what's happening in their body when they're changing feeling states. So that might be an opportunity where I notice that they've shifted from happy to sad, and I might just reflect that to them and then ask them, is it okay to notice what's going on in your body right now? And then that gentle invitation, most people will say yes. Sure, I'll try. And they'll start to notice what's happening in their body with my guidance. And it brings so much more information than what the intellectual mind can produce because it's really, it's in the body what's happening. From there, let's say it's a tightness in the chest, like a heartbreak in the chest that's happening. It might be an opportunity opportunity to invite in some pranayama to see if the client's able to breathe into that tightness in the chest. Or it could be an opportunity to connect to the body and see, okay, well, what does this tightness in the chest make you want to do? Does it make you want to move in any way? And if a client says, well, yeah, it kind of makes me want to, and they start to move their shoulders around and, and open their chest a little bit, then that's like inviting in some intuitive movement that we can then kind of structure into um, a more structured uh, yoga pose to allow the client to maintain um, connection to the sensation and notice how it changes, right? Mm. So that's one example of how we could integrate it. Does that make sense? I want to make sure that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I really, I prefer to integrate it um, more organically. Mm-hmm. So based on what's arising in the moment, you know, um, you know, so again, if a client starts crying, allowing them to connect to what's happening in their body, because a lot of people, when they start crying, they, they try to make it stop, but mm-hmm. instead just noticing, right? There's many opportunities throughout the talk therapy session to explore what's happening in the body and then to introduce some yoga. Um, And then also with some clients, I might use some of the yoga practices at the very beginning of the session as a way to enter the space and get connected to the space. So meditation, 
breathing or maybe even a little bit of movement. And for some clients, we might use it at the end of session. Let's say we did um, EMDR or eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. And let's say we didn't like get through the trauma, um, but there's some body stuff that remains at the end of session. We might take five to 10 minutes at the end to do a supportive yoga pose, to do some breathing, to come back to the present moment and just kind of contain the more traumatic material that came up during that 40, 45 minutes prior, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say that it can be a way to deepen into the emotion and also to contain, um, contain it when, you know, the person has to go back out into the world and, you know, Mm -hmm. there's some stuff that, you know, feels really too big for regular life outside of the therapy practice. Yeah. I mean, we can't fully control that, but, you know, Mm -hmm. giving somebody at least a a sense that they can kind of pack it back up and feel like, you know, it's, it's safely contained. And then also like resourcing Mm -hmm. um, when needed to actually like, if there's distress to ease it. Definitely, definitely. And speaking of resourcing too, I encourage pretty much, I would say all of my clients, you know, and if they're resistant, then we just explore the resistance. We don't just, I don't make anybody do anything. Obviously that wouldn't be trauma informed. To Thank you. Do anything. Yeah, of course. Right. Um, but I encourage and explore with all my clients um, cultivating some type of ritual because ritual in one's life brings structure, brings predictability, brings grounding, all of these things that are beneficial for all of us, whether or not we consider ourselves a trauma survivor. And so, for example, even like some of my clients who are new moms, how can they find time to do a ritual? Um, You know, if they can find one minute first thing in the morning to get up and take like three deep breaths and set an intention, or I have a client who, you know, she'll take her three deep breaths and offer gratitude to different people in her life. And she has a very young child, but she's able to do that for one minute every morning. And when she doesn't do it, she notices a difference. Um, Everything kind of starts to fall off. That ritual was extremely grounding. So these are skills that, you know, we're we're using in therapy, but that I really encourage clients to also use outside of therapy. It's like yoga off the mat. You know, it's, it's yoga in real life, which is where it really matters. Right. Yeah. So how, um, how do you, what could you tell us about how um, therapists can implement yoga therapy practices into their talk therapy work? Sure. Um, You know, first develop your own practice, of course, right? Before you can gift gift something to someone else, you want to feel confident with it in your own body. But, you know, kind of in the ways I've just described. And also, I think a lot of therapists are already using yoga without knowing it's that or calling it that. Because a lot of people are caught up in yoga being something you do on a mat. And it's like down dog and child's pose and upward facing dog. But if you're a a clinician or a person who already practices deep breathing, well, that's what pranayama is. If you practice mindfulness 
mindfulness is yoga. Yoga is mindfulness. They're one and the same, right? Yoga is one way to practice mindfulness. So a lot of people who are listening may already be using yoga clinically without actually calling it that. But again, you could do something like what I just offered, where if you just notice something happening in the body of a client, just offering that they go inside and maybe guiding them into their breath, right? Without some formal training, you probably won't be able to introduce asana or the physical practice of yoga to your clients. But there are trainings out there. Um, you know, there's the training that I offer and there's other yoga teacher trainings that are supportive in helping you understand how you could guide someone into different yoga poses um, and, and let that be a part of your work. Again, not all yoga teacher trainings are going to give you the clinical integration skills. So you might have to either do some of that on your own or you could join me for my training. Um, but yeah, there's many different ways you could do it. Um, you know, and just starting really with breathing or grounding could be a good place as long as that is not triggering to your client. Yeah. So I think we should really kind of um, say this very explicitly about the different ways that yoga can be used. There's, you know, taking a yoga class and having your own or having your own yoga mm -hmm. practice. Mm -hmm. And then there's doing yoga therapy with a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. And then there's doing mental health therapy with someone who has training in yoga therapy, yes. whether or not they're a teacher, they may be, you know, using those practices in their, in their work. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's really important because it does get kind of confusing. So yoga has become most popular in the form of yoga classes, right? There's different yoga studios. You can probably drive from point A to point B and see a number of yoga studios, depending on where you're in. Um, and so, you know, yoga studio classes are about teaching the, the practices of yoga and teaching kind of how to do the, the physical practices with good form or alignment, teaching people how to breathe, teaching people how to meditate. But it's a group, it's a group thing. And so it's not fine tailored to meet the individual needs of the person that's there. And again, most yoga teachers are not mental health professionals. Um, some, some of us are, right? Um, but not most yoga teachers are not mental health professionals. So even though a yoga class can really support one's mental health and feel like therapy, it's not, and it's not a replacement for therapy either, right? But it can be a nice compliment. Why is it not a replacement? Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's great, right? Well, let's say that you have some attachment trauma, like you have some, you survived, again, trigger warning, you survived um, early childhood sexual abuse or something like that, right? And so maybe you're having some trauma symptoms or you're just hypervigilant, always on edge and always anxious. You might find deep relief from going to a yoga class and learning how to calm your mind. And that can feel amazing, like you've gained mastery over your symptoms. Right. Because you're no longer getting angry, you're no longer super anxious and you can have a clear, calm mind and all of these things. But if you that's like putting like a bandaid over the top, if you never go back in and address those deep childhood wounds, then when you don't have the yoga for a couple of days or you don't have the meditation for a couple of days, um, it's, it's really likely that those symptoms can come back. 
or that they can come out in different ways, like, you know, um, the way that you relate to other people. So yeah. the, the deep, deep wounds need to be addressed with a mental health clinician that's going to help you explore the early childhood stuff. The yoga is a beautiful, like, icing on the cake and gives people a sense of competence and ability to control their psyche. But again, you've got to address the deeper stuff. Otherwise, eventually it's going to come back up. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely not a replacement for talk therapy. And I cannot say that enough, but it's a beautiful compliment. Right. I agree. Yeah. Good. And so then also, you know, there's yoga therapy. So you can get trained to be a yoga teacher or you can get trained to be a yoga therapist. There's two different yoga bodies that oversee the two. So Yoga Alliance oversees yoga teachers. Yoga teacher trainings are more popular. The International Association of Yoga Therapists oversees yoga therapists, um, and there's just less of those trainings. But somebody might call themselves a yoga therapist who has done a yoga therapy training, and that does not mean they're a mental health professional. What's different about yoga therapy practiced outside of being a mental health professional is that usually it's one-on-one. And so when somebody comes in, you are doing an assessment. You're talking to them. You're getting an understanding of why they're here, what issue they want to address. And then you're giving them like an individualized treatment plan around how you would address that. So that's kind of how yoga therapy might look like psychotherapy in that there's that assessment phase and that treatment plan phase, depending on what somebody's coming in with. And it could be anything from sciatica to depression. That's how you decide what you're going to do. And it's very individualized. And it's like a, you know, it's like a yoga prescription, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's um, my approach, which there are a number of people like me who are both licensed mental health professionals and yoga teachers. And so we use yoga teaching or yoga therapy clinically integrated into talk therapy. So What's different about that is that I'm also trained in other modalities, right? So I'm trained in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, um, somatic psychotherapy, internal family systems, dialectical behavioral therapy. Like I have all these clinical trainings, but then I'm also a registered yoga teacher. And so I, I bring the two together. So then there are also people who do yoga therapy in that way. And that's different than what a yoga therapist who's not a clinician would do because we have the clinical training. We can go and get into those deeper childhood wounds, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think yeah. that it's just really important to understand because when, when it says yoga therapist and it's a one-on-one -on -one session, I mean, I don't think most people in the general public are like, well, is the person a licensed clinical social worker or a psychologist? Right. You know, they just don't, right. they hear therapists and they think therapists. So, you know... Mm -hmm. It's just a specific thing. If it isn't done by a mental health professional, it isn't mental health therapy. Right, exactly. So it could be a good compliment, like if you are seeing a yoga therapist who's not a clinician, to also see a clinician at the same time, mm -hmm. right? Or yeah. you just come to somebody who does both and then, you know, you have them together. <laughs> but yeah, it's like a one-stop shop. That's right. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, and it does get confusing. So I think that was great that hopefully we're clearing it up a little bit here. Yes. Thank you for that yeah. clarification. Yeah. 
So will you tell our listeners how they can get in on your training? Because whether they're a yoga teacher or a mental health clinician, both are invited to attend your Trauma Conscious Yoga Institute trainings, right? Yeah. Yeah. So usually what it is, is it's a 25 hour training and yoga teachers will attend the first 10 hours, which really just goes into the trauma conscious yoga method. And then the last 15 hours are reserved for clinicians where we get more clinical and practical around like, okay, now you have some yoga skills and we do go over poses and things as well, pranayamas and meditations and all of that. But now how do you using your clinical skills and knowledge, bring this into talk therapy. So yes, they're both welcome. Um, and the, the therapist training is longer than the, the yoga teacher training. So people can find out about that by going to traumaconsciousyoga.com. So this is the Trauma Conscious Yoga Institute. And the website is traumaconsciousyoga.com. It's going over a bit of a makeover right now, but you can still find information there. And you can also email me. I can give my email. Um, I don't know if you'll put that in the show notes or if I should give yeah, it Yeah, if you want to give it, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. So my email is nitita at talkwithnitita.com. And I guess you can see how to spell my name in the show notes because it can get confusing spelling <laughs> my name. <laughs> um, yeah. But... Yeah, even if you're not sure if you want to attend the training yet, there is an email list you can get on. Um, I'm really excited to say that the training has been based here in Austin, but I am taking it to a number of different United States cities in 2019. And I'm also developing an online training. So if the online training sounds interesting and more accessible, that will be available in the near future as well. So mm, yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really passionate about just getting this information out. And, you know, the more people that can support other people in this way, I think it's just it's so powerful and so important. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm super happy to talk to you individually about it. If you have more questions, I try to make myself available for that. So, yeah, that's how you can find out more. Wonderful. Well, Natita, thank you so much for coming on to Therapy Chat today. I really enjoyed this and I thought it was really interesting and I think that people are going to love hearing it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Again, I just get super excited to talk about anything that relates to yoga, therapy, and trauma. So I'm, I'm happy that you are interested and that people are willing to listen and learn about it. So, and as a side note, we forgot to say, but I don't know when this will air, but today is International Yoga Day. Oh, that's right. Thank you. We're recording this. So it was just meant to be today. (laughs) That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com.
Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.